When was the last time that you asked for help? Personally, I find it incredibly difficult to ask, partly because it's who I am. I like to do things for myself and figure things out on my own, but it's also because I've been burned before. And when you have summoned up the courage to ask for help and then don't get that help, it hurts and it can hurt a lot. So it's one reason that I just love Bartimaeus so much. He needs help and he is not going to shut up about it. He knows that Jesus is his answer and he just goes for it, ignoring the shushing of the crowd and the people telling him to be quiet and suffer. Nope, not him. He's asking for what he needs, even if it ends up being more painful for him in the rejection. And the pictures in that children's book just paint such a vivid image for him, yelling so loudly that he had to cover his ears, drowning out the naysayers around him. I just got to love that guy. That being said, I have conflicted feelings about the stories of healing in the Bible. In one way, I really love them because Jesus as healer is something that I really connect with given what I do every day. But these stories make me uncomfortable too. Some of that is because the church has always struggled with the concept of faith intermingled with the reality of suffering. There are folks who draw a direct correlation with a person's lack of faith and their amount of suffering or believe that a person's physical or mental afflictions are due to their lack of faith or penance or prayer. And I think that's just plain wrong. In fact, it's rejected throughout scripture in many examples. The most obvious is which, of which is probably Job, who's a righteous good guy that terrible stuff happens to. And I also believe that people with disabilities don't need to be changed or fixed in order to be whole and valid and worthy. And I think we need to recognize our tendencies to center abled people and push people with disabilities to the margins. And we have to reject that. God loves us no matter what afflictions we carry, which is good because we all have afflictions. But that being said, I believe that Jesus did heal people, both from their physical and mental troubles. I don't think that the stories of Jesus healing are simple metaphors. I really believe that he was a healer who helped the blind to see drove out demons, and raised the dead. And maybe there are those who have those powers today. I'm not sure. The claims of those who heal the sick in huge arenas in front of cameras while they get rich on the ticket sales make me really skeptical. So I tread lightly here, while at the same time believing the that these stories about Jesus are true and have something to teach us. So with that disclaimer, I'd like to dig into the story a little bit. First of all, let's place this story in its context within the Bible. Jesus and his disciples are traveling from the northern region of what is now Israel-Palestine. They've been journeying for a long time and are just leaving Jericho, headed for Jerusalem. What comes in the very next chapter is the story of Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem, Palm Sunday, and then the pain and suffering of Holy Week. And yet we're nowhere near Palm Sunday in our church here, but this is where the scripture falls in the lectionary. So as they're leaving Jericho, they encounter a blind man on the side of the road, Bartimaeus, who calls out, son of David, have mercy on me, Kyrie Eleazar. And he's prom promptly shushed by the crowd. Now, why did they shush him? Well, there's several possible reasons. Son of David was a political statement. Jesus, as the true king of Israel, descended from David. 
And they were just leaving Jericho, a city that would have likely been teeming with Roman soldiers who had no tolerance for the suggestion that Israel should be under its own rule or the suggestion that Jesus is the one to take up the kingship of David. But Bartimaeus is unafraid to shout this. In fact, he's in a way the first to start the parade of Palm Sunday, because up next, as they enter Jerusalem in the next chapter, the entire crowd is chanting it. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. Another explanation of why the crowd shushed Bartimaeus may hit closer to home for us, because I think we might have shushed him too. Don't we often hush up those who make us uncomfortable? those who might be in pain or are speaking something that makes us squirm. And especially if they're saying those things in front of somebody that we wanna impress. The beauty that I see in this story is this, a human being in pain, a human being who is not willing to be cast aside or silenced, demands what is his right as a human, the love and grace of Jesus. He isn't afraid to talk about his pain, and the community, which initially silences him and looks at him sidewise, eventually is willing to listen to him and guide him to Jesus. What would it be like if we didn't turn away from the pain of others? And what would it be like if we didn't turn away from our own pain? Because once Bartimaeus reaches Jesus, his pain is not automatically gone. Jesus asks him the same thing that he's just asked James and John in the last chapter. What do you want me to do for you? Now, I can't imagine that he doesn't know why Barnabas, led through the crowd, is standing before him. I can't imagine that Jesus doesn't already know that this man wants to see again. But he still asks, what do you want me to do for you? And Barnabas answers him, teacher, bunai, I want to see again. This response uses an address for Jesus that we only see twice in the entire Gospels, where bunai means teacher but it's a personal address of great warmth and intimacy used only to the most highly respected teachers in almost a term of endearment. The only other time Jesus is addressed as Rabuni after his resurrection, when he calls Mary Magdalene by name, she turns and recognizes him and says, Rabuni. Bartimaeus, like Mary Magdalene, has been waiting for Jesus, longing for him maybe his whole life. And he recognizes Jesus as the great teacher, the son of God. In this recognition, this blind man has a much more keen spiritual insight than any of the disciples. Even before his sight was returned to him, he recognizes who Jesus really is. And Jesus recognizes him right back. Jesus is asking us these questions too. What do you want me to do for you? What do you really want? Jesus asks not because he doesn't already know the answer, but because he wants us to know the answer. He wants us to get deeper than what we should want or what we think we want or what others want us to want to what we truly deeply want. That deep self-knowledge is tricky. It's hard to peel back years of careful packaging, packaging that has made sure we present ourselves in a certain way to the nice church-going people we see each Sunday, or to family or friends who seem to expect us to be a certain way, or in our society where we have to fit a specific mold to be accepted. We're very good at burying what we really want, who we really are. Besides that, we want to get Jesus' attention when we're showing up at church, helping our neighbors, serving the poor. Just like James and John, we want to be at Jesus' right hand in the place of honor. 
we probably even pray for the things we should want or pray in a way that makes us look good. Even if we're praying on our own in a quiet house, we still want to make ourselves look good for Jesus. It's really hard not to only dig down deep to figure out what our deepest needs really are, but then also to ask Jesus for those things, especially if asking for them makes us look like look bad or look like people in need of help. We've been rejected before, so it's hard to reach out again. And it's all a little bit silly because Jesus already knows what we want. Jesus already knows what we need. Brothers and sisters, Jesus already knows that we're not as holy as we portray ourselves to, to, as being. Jesus understands that we need salvation and mercy. We are all beggars calling out for Jesus to have mercy on us, to open our eyes or our hearts or our minds or our hands. And Jesus' ears are turned to our suffering. Jesus keeps calling us, pausing on the road for us, being near to our pain, but he's not going to stop there. He's going to ask us to be open with him, to think and reflect and really know. In what ways do we need help? What do we want? I wonder what we'll discover.